morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning and to be able to worship together. And what a wonderful period of worship we've already had this morning. I'm half tempted to just sit down and sing that song again. That just, I got chills singing that song. Such a beautiful message. Blessed be the name of the Lord, no matter what comes our way. I'm going to ask you to open up to Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin uh, reading a passage out of Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25 in just a moment. What we're going to talk about this morning is the idea of being engaged and involved in our hope. This is the last of the series that we've been doing throughout the course of the year, uh, correlating to the theme that the elders gave us of being more engaged and involved in our service in the Lord's body and in our relationship with him. And today we're going to talk about how we can and need to be engaged and involved in our hope. I want to begin in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse number 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I think this passage gives us a beautiful picture of what true biblical hope is. Whether you go back to the Old Testament and the Hebrew words that are translated as hope, or in the New Testament and the Greek words that are translated as hope, the the idea and the messaging of what that is is the same. It's the idea to wait and to eagerly anticipate as Paul paints a picture of the Christians doing here in Romans chapter 8. To wait on something, to eagerly anticipate its coming. And that's very different than sometimes how we use the word hope today. I, I might hope that the Colts win the Super Bowl this year. Well, they might have a chance of winning the Super Bowl this year, but that's not the most likely of outcomes. When we think about the idea of biblical hope, the outcome isn't necessarily in doubt. We are called to wait for it and to anticipate it. There is an expectation of what is to come. So in reality, when we talk about hope, what we are essentially saying is that we are anticipating a future that is better than our present. We are anticipating something that is going to come that is better than what we currently have. That's the idea of hope as it's laid out for us in Scripture. And so the idea that I want us, or the question I should say, that I want to ask us this morning is, what are we waiting for? As Christians, we are called to have hope. We are to eagerly anticipate. We are to wait So what is the future that is going to be so much better than our present? What is it that we are waiting for? What is it that we anticipate? 
Well, if you look at it from a physical standpoint, some will say maybe they're hoping, putting their hope in health, putting their hope in success, putting their hope in business, putting their hope in money. Health deteriorates over time. It's not something that you're looking forward to improving in any way. Success, career, money, none of those things can have confidence placed in them with any level of certainty. And those aren't the things that God concerns himself with anyway. So it's none of those things. It's nothing physical. So what is it that we're waiting for? Well, it's not even the forgiveness of sins. I've already had my sins forgiven. That's the reality that I live in now. It's not salvation. God has saved me. That's my reality now. So what am I waiting for? What am I anticipating? That's the question that I think is important for us to answer as we begin to think about this idea of being engaged and involved in that hope, in what we are waiting for, in what we are anticipating. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that in order for us to truly be able to identify as Christians what we are waiting for, what we are anticipating, what we are looking forward to, we're first going to have to look backwards. Because the reality is, there are two absolute truths that our hope is founded on. And in order for us to look forward to that, we have to look back to our risen Savior. Because the one thing that I am looking forward to, the future that is better than my present, is being resurrected one day. To being given a new body. And when I look back at Jesus, I see that he overcame death in the resurrection. And in doing so, he proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has the power to do that for me as well. And so I look forward to that. That is a future that is better than my present. That is a future where I get to put off the physical body that hurts and the physical body that deteriorates and put on the new body, the heavenly body, the resurrected body. And what we just read there in, first, in Ephesians chapter 1, in verses 13 through 18, did you see there, as Marcus was reading, Paul called out the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory and the inheritance of, his, of the saints. Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Christ doing for me what God did for him. To raise me once again. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1 with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter will write this beginning in verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
That is what our hope is built upon. This morning in our Bible class, Keith brought up 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We won't turn there to read that, but it's a fascinating passage. There in verses 12 through 19, as Paul writes to the Christians in Corinth, and essentially says, listen, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then your faith is futile. If that didn't happen, then what are we doing here? There is no foundation to place hope in. There is no foundation to build faith upon if Christ didn't raise from the dead. But the fact that he did, I look forward to a day where he will do that for me. And that is a future that I can anticipate with excitement because it's better than what I have now. That's what hope truly is. The second truth that I think hope is built upon, then he goes directly in connection with this idea of Jesus overcoming death and resurrecting, is that he has prepared a place for me in heaven. And when he returns, he will take me there to be with him. When I am resurrected, Jesus has promised to us a home with him in heaven. Look in John chapter 13. As Jesus tries to help the disciples understand this idea as they as as they want to go with Jesus as he begins to talk about his upcoming death and what's going to take place they they want to go with him and his point to them is not yet wait just wait look what he says beginning in verse number 36 of chapter 13 and we'll read through the first couple of verses of chapter 14 as well Simon Peter said to him Lord where are you going And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the promise that Jesus has made to us, the promise that we can anticipate being fulfilled, is that one day we will get to go to where he is. He's prepared a place for us, and he's going to return. And when he does, he is going to resurrect us, and he is going to take us home with that. He's going to take us home with him, and that is what we place our hope in. That is what we wait for. That is what we anticipate as his followers. In John chapter 11, just a couple of pages back from where you were there in chapter 13, as Jesus is, is talking with Mary and Martha near the tomb of Lazarus prior to Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, listen to what Jesus says to to them and begin in verse number 20. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, you have been here, you had been here 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that? Because that's where hope lies. Even in this moment, that's what he was asking of Martha. She hadn't seen Lazarus raised from the dead yet. She certainly hadn't seen Jesus overcome death yet. But Jesus was asking her this question, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? The same question needs to be answered by each of us. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Because if the answer to that question is no, then we need to have a completely different conversation because hope hasn't even entered into the picture yet. If you don't believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, there is no hope to be found. 1 Corinthians 15, your faith and your hope, it's all futile if you don't believe that. But by Christ overcoming death, he has proven to us his power. And by ascending back into heaven, he has proven to us that he is fulfilling and following through with the promises that he made to prepare a place for us. And so we wait, and we anticipate, and we hope. A couple more passages I wanted to look at this morning. The first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and read with me verses 16 through 18. As we read this, I want you to think if if any of this language sounds familiar to that passage in Romans chapter 8 that we read at the beginning of the lesson. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. I'm in the wrong passage. That's an outstanding passage. It's not the one that I wanted to read. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This will sound a lot better in connection with what we're talking about this morning. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
What did Paul say in Romans chapter 8 about the things which are seen and not seen? We don't place our hope in things that are seen. We place our hope in things that are not yet seen. What are those things that are not seen? They're eternal. They're spiritual. Hope points us in the direction of the spiritual. It distances us from the physical. And and the reason why, as we put the list together of the lessons that we wanted to cover as it pertained to the theme for this year, the reason why hope landed on that list is because we will always be looking to a future that is better than our present. And that is true regardless of where you want to look in life. If you want to look at that from a physical or secular perspective, you try and get a promotion at work, and you think, that's what I'm looking forward to. That That is a future that is better than my present. And then you get the promotion at work. And what do you begin doing just probably days after that? You begin looking forward to the next one. You look forward or you anticipate the holidays coming so you can spend time with family and you can see the excitement in the kids' faces. And those holidays come and they go and what do we do? We look forward to the next one. Anticipation, hope, when it comes to the physical world is an endless cycle. Because we're always looking forward to the next future. We're always looking forward to the next time that would be better than the current time. But Paul here, as he talks about this idea, what he says is that there is something far more exceeding and an eternal weight of glory that awaits us. Once that hope is realized, there is no more hope. There is no more future to anticipate. There is nothing that could be better in that moment. That's what everything about Christianity is pointing us toward. That's why hope is so important. So when we think about the idea of being engaged And involved in that. We have to recognize the challenge that we each face on a daily basis. To push away the physical aspects of hope. And to keep our attention focused on the spiritual aspects of hope. Because physical hope is a very bumpy ride. There are a lot of ups. There are a lot of downs. There are successes. There are failures. There are shortcomings. There are opportunities to exceed. But it's an up and down ride. It's a roller coaster. But the hope that God talks about, the hope that God talks about is a smooth and steady ride as we anticipate the time in which we will be resurrected and taken home into heaven. That's all that we are left to anticipate. There's nothing left for us but to anticipate and to look forward to that day. All else has been given. God has given his son as the sacrifice that we need for the forgiveness of our sins. By becoming his children, we have been saved from those sins. We have a relationship with God. The only thing left for us to hope for is that day when Christ's promise to resurrect us and take us home with him will be fulfilled. We really are looking forward to a time 
in which we can be in heaven together for all of eternity. But I want to offer a caution, if I can, in that regard. Because I think it's easy to listen to all of this and to say, yes, that's, what, that's where my hope is. My hope is in a time in which I will be resurrected and taken home into heaven. That, that's what I hope for. That, that's, that's me. I'm all in. Let's hope. Let's wait. Let's anticipate. Let's look forward to that future that's better than today. Do our lives always reflect that that truly is what we are anticipating and what we are looking forward to? And let me maybe even make it a little bit more specific and give you an example. Last Sunday evening, I think Sunday morning perhaps, Kevin made an announcement encouraging us to be here on Sunday evenings when we assemble to worship together. What is heaven going to be like? As it's described when you read about the kids were reading in Revelation this week preparing for their Bible classes, what is, what is heaven described as? It's an opportunity for saints of all time to be assembled together around the throne of God and to praise him for all of eternity. That's, that's heaven. That's the, that's the wonder and the glory that awaits us is being in God's presence and praising him together as his children for all eternity. If that's what we're hoping for, then I don't think doing that on this side of eternity would be a chore. Coming together as brothers and sisters this side of eternity to praise him as we anticipate the time where we can all praise him together forever, that should be something that we look forward to and everything else gets out of the way so that we can do that. Because I hope for a day when I can do it forever. So when you think about how you approach worship, does your approach to worship reflect the hope that you claim to have? When you think about the relationship that you have with your brothers and sisters, does that reflect the hope that you have to spend eternity with them? When you think about how you approach praising and worshiping God, Does that reflect the hope that you claim to have, to do that at his throne for all of eternity? You see, hope truly is something that we have to be engaged and involved in. Because it's easy to say, but it's much more challenging to live a life that reflects the true biblical hope that's laid out for us. Paul wrote to the Christians in 1 Thessalonians, and you don't necessarily have to turn over to that passage, but just as we begin to close this morning, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and he was, he was praising the Christians there and, and, and telling them that he has seen wonderful things at work amongst them, and he prays and remembers them. And he mentions three things in particular that he remembers about them and prays in regards to their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope. When you get down into verses 9 and 10 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says this, 
For they themselves declare concerning us what, what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. I read that, I found it so interesting that Paul praised their patience of hope. And I think he described what that patience of hope is there in verse number 10. Their willingness to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Almost 2,000 years ago, Christians were waiting on Jesus. Because their hope was in that resurrection, and their hope was in that heavenly home that they knew could only be fulfilled through Christ. And here we are, almost 2,000 years later, still exercising that patience of hope as we wait, and as we anticipate, as we expect a future that is far better than anything that we could currently be living in. The day in which Jesus will return and save us from the wrath. What a glorious day that will be. But it's one that's reserved for those who have given their life to Christ and put their hope in him. It's one that's reserved for his children, his followers. For those who believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead and ascended back into heaven. And so as we conclude this morning, I think the invitation is pretty clear as to what Christ wants from us. He wants us to believe that. He wants us to put our hope in him. And to realize that there is no better existence than the one that has been promised to us through him. So if you haven't become a Christian, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, the opportunity is there for you this morning to do that. To have your sins washed away. Just think for a moment about the existence that you could have right now. Your reality could be having your sins washed clean to stand pure and righteous before God, saved from those sins. And all that's left is to wait on Christ. What a wonderful existence that is. Maybe you've you've done that in the past, but maybe as we've talked this morning, you've realized that the words sound good in regards to your hope, but maybe you realize you've allowed that hope to wane or perhaps you're putting that hope in more physical things. I want to encourage you this morning to refocus yourself, to to recenter yourself and to, to place your hope squarely where it belongs on the promises of Jesus to raise us from the dead and to take us home with him in heaven. If we can help you do that, please let us know while we stand and sing.